You're listening to the Bootstrap SaaS Operator, the podcast where we interview founders who are actually in the trenches. We talk about the transparent journey of how they built their SaaS companies, how they grow them, and what they would do differently if they would do it all over. Hey folks, with us today, Michael, founder of Walsh.io. Michael, super happy to have you on. Hi, Nicolas. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Awesome. The typical question is what the product solves for its users, but let's start even before that. You founded the company where you spun it out out of the software agency and you spun out two products out of there. So give us the origin stories. First of all, like, how, how long you, did you run the software agency and then how did you come to the point where you spun off not one but two products? Yes, uh, of course, happy to do that, Nicolas. Uh, so... My background is, uh, I have, I've been working as a software developer. I wouldn't really necessarily call me an engineer. I was more like a, a hands-on uh, trial and error guy, but uh, I used to do uh, web development. Uh, when in, I think it was 2008 or 2009, I got super excited about uh, when Facebook first first published or, or, or announced their public API. Because uh, suddenly, as uh, Small little tiny web developer in small little Vienna, Austria was able to to um, publish and run mini apps in the frame of Facebook.com, uh, potentially reaching thousands, mi millions of people. Uh, actually, there were only a few ten thousand uh, users in Austria back then uh, on Facebook, which is also why uh, 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 focusing on social media was not a big business uh, back then. But I was very excited, and uh, one or two years later, with a with a close friend of mine, uh, founded a, a tiny boutique uh, software agency uh, called The Socialisten, which uh, at the time we thought, thought is a very clever uh, word play on the, the English word social and then socialisten, of course. Uh, we didn't have any political affiliations, uh, though. Uh, later, of course, especially when we moved into uh, English-speaking markets, it got quite confusing. But back then it worked. Um, what we did at Socialisten was we were the first uh, the first. And as far as I know, one of the first of the first uh, uh, German in the German-speaking markets to build custom bespoke uh, marketing apps on social media platforms like Facebook, even even MySpace back then or StudiVZ had uh, small little APIs, uh, and that was very exciting. Uh, and since we work pretty early to that uh, to that whole new space, uh, we were also like modestly or quite successful in in, in offering these services. Now. Uh, Building an agency, of course, was never really the, the, the end goal or the, what, what really got me excited. Uh, I wanted to build more scalable products, more scalable software. And uh, so, it, uh, so it was quite, uh, uh, so it was just good to get started with the agency and out of the agency business and out of specific uh, experiences with customers. Uh, me and my team, we developed two product ideas, which we later... Um, Brought, yeah, well, today you would call it MVP, uh, like a prototype, which, which we prototyped for, for, for pretty soon got first customs and then in the end spun out of the company. But that was like a at least five year long process. So it uh, wasn't as easy as it might sound. Quick today. question on that specifically. How big was the agency at that point? Tiny, tiny. We were like four or five guys, uh, I would say. Uh, all, all engineers, all developers, no, no, uh, no marketing people, no sales, no nothing. Uh, it was really, really, really tiny. Yeah, but uh, but still, it was uh, it was generating uh, enough profit uh, uh, to to kickstart and in the end bootstrap not just this one business but two businesses. Uh, the first one uh, being uh, Swart.io, which is uh, 
social media management tools, think Hootsuite or think Buffer, but for larger teams at B2B at larger enterprises, uh, focusing on the German-speaking markets where I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, and the second product is Walls.io, Walls.io. It's also a social media marketing tool. Um, it's a user-generated content hub. I can talk about that uh, a little bit later. So these two product ideas came out of the agency business because we just talked to, to our agency customers and learned what they had, what needs they had, and then basically tried to abstract that into uh, uh, product ideas that would not just work for one or two customers, but hopefully 10, 20, hundreds of customers. And then right, like skipping to today, basically, how do you run those two companies in parallel? So, uh, yeah, skipping, uh, skipping uh, to, uh, to today is uh, also easier said than done. Uh, so it's one, one learning, of course, in hindsight, uh, you're always uh, smart, uh, smarter. Um, what I did back then is uh, I ran both. Back then, I would, back then, I would say it were projects. It weren't really like fully-fledged products yet. It wasn't really clear, will this be a product or will this even be a company? So I, I, I ran both products inside the, the same company, inside the agency, the Socialisten, which back at the day seemed like a good idea. But of course, years and years later, made it very, very hard to answer uh, basic, uh, basic uh, economic questions like, how much profit does this product actually generate? Because all the cost and all the revenue was like so interwoven, it was not easy and clear to say like, okay, this product does that kind of revenue, uh, profit and the other one. Then it was all mixed and mixed, mixed up. So it was, it was a mess basically. And only many, many years later, uh, I, I took, finally took the step to untangle this mess, the legal mess, the accounting mess and separate it into uh, two, two separate companies. So it was not, uh, it was not as easy. So if I could turn back time, this was probably one of the things I would have done uh, done differently. But again, uh, so many things in this uh, in this uh, journey have ha have happened organically and not so so much planned. Yeah. I have to admit, so I'm not complaining. But then, besides the like the bureaucracy part of it, would you also, in hindsight, do them sequentially instead of parallel? Like because like. Running a company or like yeah. having now a company, but then even running projects takes a lot of mental space. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, and, and something. Jo sometimes I'm joking. Uh, uh, there is this. Uh, there is this. Uh, this saying: once you're lucky, twice you're good. Uh, I'm not sure if you if you've heard this uh, this uh, this phrase. Uh, there's also a startup book about it. I have rephrased this for for myself, and I also have it in my Twitter bios bio. Uh, for me, it's more like once you're lucky, twice you're stupid. Because uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I felt like I'm the most stupid person to not uh, bootstrap, uh, go through the pain of bootstrapping one SaaS business, but two at the almost the same time. But what can I say? Uh, it was not really planned. It was in the end, of course, a lot of luck uh, involved that we were in this hot space. Social media was new, and that it was possible to bootstrap uh, two companies. Is it smart? Uh, uh, honestly, honestly, uh, only years later, I, I, I understood and, and made the decision, the, the, the conscious decision to focus of one of my two, uh, uh, on one of my two babies. Um, of course, again, in hindsight, you're always smart. It would have been better to have done this earlier, probably. But it was just like uh, my personal entrepreneurial journey was not like that clear cut thing, uh, and, and, and that was just necessary to do that way. Of course, if you have a conscious uh, decision to make, do I really want to run two products? Uh, uh, probably the answer is no, focus on one.
If you need to hire the right developers and ship fast, then React Squad is for you. A boutique agency that specializes in React and only works with fast growth startups. Get a 14-day risk-free trial and a transparent price of $95 per hour. Visit reactsquad.io to learn more. So before we jumped in and started recording, you told me that SWOT.io now has a leadership team in place. So this, they're like a CTO, complete leadership team, and you only talk to the, 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 CTO, uh, the CEO, basically, or how does that work so that you can fully focus on yeah. SWOT.io and then we will get there. Yeah. Uh, short answer is uh, yes, uh, that's how it's set up. Uh, and like I said, uh, my personal journey in some of the decisions took maybe longer as uh, as they should have taken, like deciding, is this a product or a company, deciding to split the companies and then deciding to focus on one of two companies. Those were hard decisions for me. Other people might have, um, ha might have uh, taken these decisions uh, quicker. But when I decided, hey, I want to focus on one, uh, on one company, it was... I had the first, first decision, which of those two, uh, for various reasons, I chose uh, the smaller one, the, the younger one, and less mature one, that is Wallstore.io. Obviously, because the bigger one, uh, Swatter.io, is more established and more stable and in a different phase, actually, that is, uh, me, for me, it's more exciting to, 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 uh, to work in the smaller organization. The How big is the, the bigger one, roughly, in terms of revenue or customers? Yeah, so, so Swatter.io, we, uh, so Swatter.io, we are talking about um, uh, about we are on the journey from 5 million ARR to 10 million ARR. Let's put it like that. Uh, more on the, in the beginning of this journey from five to 10, uh, I'll be honest, but, uh, somewhere in that space, we have a, a head a team of uh, 45 now here in Vienna. Obviously you can do the math on your envelope and we will see as a bootstrap business, there needs to be profitability. And, uh, so that's like the ballpark, ballpark numbers, uh, uh for Swatio. One, one last numbers question there. What was roughly the MRR when you left? Basically, when you decide, hey, I'm stepping out of the leadership's position and basically hiring a leadership put this position there. Oh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I'm not gonna lie; I don't have that number uh, in 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 my mind. Uh, but probably around a third less in terms of MRRs, or maybe maybe twenty five. So you already so, hit the million in ARR, and then yes, basically, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Uh, so yeah. so definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, back to your question. Uh, so that was the first decision. Which of the two I want to focus on? I have very, various personal reasons to focus on Wars.io. And also to answer your question, of course, uh, finding a management team to run the other business, Wars.io, uh, isn't a non-trivial question. Uh, I was super lucky uh, that uh, I had one uh, obvious immediate candidate, or for me, it was like not a candidate, it was clear. I want to hand over my company to uh, Johannes, who was my CTO for mm, more than 10 years or so, uh, knew the company, knew the product, knew the market, uh, in some respects better than me, I would say. Uh, and, uh, we, we complemented that was, that was clear. Johannes, uh, was uh, like, uh, uh, no brainer and, uh, it took, took some convincing to, uh, I had to convince him that he would, would actually like uh, get into this, uh, get into this painful uh, role of being a CEO of a bootstrap company. But uh, after a few good uh, conversations, he was uh, he was uh, willing to do it. Uh, and of course, what what I did was uh, draw up like a mental, uh, not just not, not just a, a like a like a like a um, an org chart and and check out which of the pieces I currently inhabit on this org chart need to be replaced either by 
adding skills to an existing team member or by hiring, uh, hiring someone new. And there were a few obvious gaps, like uh, someone taking care of the finances, uh, which, to be honest, was never my strong suit, strongest suit. Uh, and also getting someone on board to complement the, the, the management team uh, who is taking care of uh, focusing on, on sales and, uh, and marketing. So we brought in a second CEO, Manuel, uh, who is taking care of the of the of the of the uh, of the growth part of the company? And Johannes, my ex CTO, is doing product and engineering, and that's a good combination. And yeah, that means I have a great management team in place now. And uh, to finally answer the original question, yes, of course, for me it meant uh, to basically that a big change in my personal role, uh, not being involved anymore. It took some discipline to not to not chime in all the time and see that. <laughs> Be that guy that uh, gives great advice from the sidelines. I mean, that's that must be horrible. I'm, I think I'm doing mostly fine with that uh, in that regard, and that means I have like a quarterly, uh, I have quarterly workshops with my management team basically, and uh, I try to uh, I try to to keep it at that. That's basically my the amount of involvement for me now. I am. I love it. And then let's switch gears and finally get to words that I owe. So. Where are you at with this company right now? So how big is the team? What's the rough revenue? Basically, like, where are you right now? And what are you targeting to achieve soon? Yeah, uh, definitely. So interestingly, uh, in most aspects and for a quite long time, uh, Balsio is basically, or, or Swadio is basically twice the, twice the size of Balsio. That's true of Headcount. So at the Wazio, uh, at Wazio, we are at 21, I think, right now, 22, something like that. And uh, that's that's also uh, true in terms of revenue. So uh, we are not at 5 million uh, uh, ARR at, uh, with Wazio yet. We are uh, we are on the way to, to reach that, but uh, it will take us a year or so uh, to be there. So that's quite interesting. It's, it's almost half, uh, half the size uh, in, in many aspects, yeah. And then... Before we, because we skipped that in the beginning, what problem does Walt solve for its users? Yeah, uh, good question, of course. So uh, we are basically making user-generated content available for online marketers to reach their goals. What that means is uh, there's, there's like, a, 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 like plenty full of, uh, of use cases. For example, event marketers like to collect all the social media buzz about their, about their trade show, about their concert, conference, put it on displays, put it on their website. Uh, employers are uh, collecting what their uh, their team uh, their team members their workforce is posting on social media about their company. Put it on a career web page for employer branding. You can use uh, uh, user reviews from Instagram on your on your e commerce store. So there's a, a lot of different ways how you can use social media content for your marketing goals, and that's what Wazio as a social media aggregator facilitates and, and allows. And then how big is the typical client? So is it more like enterprise level big companies or, or a wild mix? It is a pretty, a pretty diverse mix. So, uh, I mean, to, to, to state the obvious, we are a B2B software company. Um, although, to be honest, if I'm really, uh, if, uh, if I remember correctly, or I do remember, there is the odd private use case as well. So, so people who are setting up a social media display for their wedding, for example. So we have that. Interesting. It is, it is <laughs> interesting. When we first saw that, we were like, ah, okay. Um, um, but of course, it's not a big business for us or so, uh, no business. So we don't really focus on, we are B2, focus on B2B. 
but it's really a quite diverse mix. It can be like a, a small mom and pop uh, event organiz- uh, event marketing agency that, uh, that, that uses our entry level plans, or it can be really big brands. Uh, and we are super proud of that, of course. Uh, like we have a lot of big tech companies, US companies like Google, like Cisco, like Amazon, who are then using our product as well. So the range is super, super diverse. If I'm honest, uh, and also like what I said before, the use cases is pretty diverse. So uh, you could argue that this is also making selling, marketing the product sometimes a little bit harder. So positioning is something that uh, that uh, is not fully uh, fully solved yet. We are still we are always working on that. How can we package and position our product to to make the most and 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 uh, of, of these different uh, uh, markets and, and company companies that can buy our product. And then you have a team of like roughly 20 people. What's what's the split there on like product, ops and sales and marketing? Pretty much 50% is going is uh, for for product and engineering. That's the that's the short answer. Um, we are so, so about half of the team 10 I think uh, uh, maybe even a little bit more are engineers and product managers. Um, we have a sizable marketing team that's about four or five people um, because we are, um, yeah, today you call it product-led growth. Uh, I don't know, when we started with Walsio, I didn't, I think no one knew this term. It was not existing back then. What it basically meant, of course, is that we are very marketing-driven. We are bringing, uh, we are bringing people into our free trial through various marketing channels, paid advertising, inbound marketing, social media marketing, review sites, whatever we can find and try out. We bring these people in uh, and then hopefully convert them by letting them use uh, 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 use the product. So that means marketing is very, very important to bring all these people in. We do have a small sales team as well, just like two sales engineers, uh, sales managers who are uh, who are focusing on the bigger customers, like the big brands that I've uh, mentioned before. They need some handholding. We are doing like more enterprise deals uh, through our sales team there. And then are those two, two sales guys basically cherry picking the accounts that come in via the free trial or is there like do they have like their own proper outbound channel where they like say okay let's let's go after facebook this quarter and let's chase them down that's a great question and i think uh i think i'm not sure i'm not sure i think you're talking to a lot of SaaS people SaaS founders bootstrappers and uh, i guess you or maybe that's a question for you or maybe you can confirm i I do also talk to a lot of people uh, similar to our companies and i hear Growth is, is slowing down in 2023. That's like for me the big topic that I hear from so many people. Growth is plateauing, maybe sometimes even uh, even, uh, even stagnation or or, uh, or 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 decrease in revenue. Luckily, we are not hit by that. So that's one one aspect. Growth is slowing because of the macroeconomics, but also because uh, SaaS is so, uh, all the SaaS categories really are so saturated. There's so much so much competition. What I what I what I uh, what I really want to say, uh, only relying on inbound and marketing uh, is not enough for, for having a sales team. Uh, I think most SaaS founders uh, have learned that or will learn that uh, the hard way. Me, myself as well. Uh, in both companies, actually, uh, I had to learn this lesson the hard way by uh, ignoring it for too long and not investing earlier in uh, a real sales team that also is able to, do, uh, to generate their own leads, to do outbound. So. I was neglecting that for way too long. I think 2023, it's even more clear that this, uh, in most 
SaaS categories will be uh, crucial. And uh, yeah, so we are, so we learned it a little bit too late, but we are doing that now and let our, uh, our enterprise system also create their own leads by uh, reaching out to, 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 uh, IC, to uh, accounts that match our ideal customer profile by doing uh, outreach and so on and so on. I think it's super smart that you get your hands dirty there and not only rely on the, the people basically getting into your product. And what, one quick question, if, if you're open to share, like what's the, like not on numbers of customers, but just on like kind of like revenue split, like how much come from like the PLG versus like the enterprise? Um, that's, uh, that's a great question. It's not super easy to answer. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, about half of our revenue is actually coming through, through, uh, through enterprise. Sorry, I need to be a little bit more specific. That does not mean, unfortunately, that does not mean that half of the new revenue is coming in through outbound. I would love that, uh, but we are not there yet. Uh, so out there, the part of outbound is significantly smaller. But uh, um, and and maybe that's an interesting meta question. I mean, some people might say the product-led approach and the sales approach are, of course, sometimes conflicting. Many people like us have been trying to make it work work uh, at the same time. That can be that can be a conflict. But actually, I think it can also work quite good because uh, uh, we, uh, our sales team can, of course, work on leads that are coming in through the PLG channel. And once they are identified and qualified and actually show a product engagement, we can then uh, sell to them. So long story short, yes, sales team brings in almost half of the new revenue, but not, not everything is outbound, of course. Got it. So basically, like in terms of closing, yes, they close half the revenue, but in terms of leech and marketing or PLG brings... Yes. the majority and yes. then they yes. basically chase down the rest via the exactly outbound. exactly but uh, honestly because that's the that's true uh, and it's true because we probably were not we were probably too slow to to uh, understand that we have to invest uh, in in outbound um it's never too late hopefully but uh, uh, uh yeah that's where we are at right now but now that it's like more like a bit fresh in your mind what are your biggest learnings about outbound basically If, if legally you would be forced to let go of your sales guys and scratch everything in outbound and would you have to rebuild it next week? Like, what would you do there? How, how would you get that started for the people who are currently only doing PLG and want to, to get there? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough one because I never considered myself. Uh, so I'm not a salesperson uh, or, or I never learned sales. I don't know who does learn sales. I don't know. Maybe it's just a born tel uh, uh, talent that you have or not. I'm more the, I'm, uh, I do have more a technical product background. So I never considered myself, uh, uh, a good, uh, like, uh, a worthy of doing big, uh, um, uh, statements about sales. What I can say is, um, I do believe that it's possible. So there's there's this idea, this American idea that you have to uh, separate have to separate roles. Like you have uh, SDRs who are doing only outbound, and you have account executives uh, closing deals. I actually do believe, uh, in especially in smaller bootstrap companies like ours, and in Europe, it's actually totally fine to to have a full stack salespeople who can do both, uh, as long as they're held accountable uh, to generating their own leads and not just fed with inbound leads all day long. I think it's possible. Uh, of course, as, 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 long, as long as you feed them a constant stream of inbound leads, uh, there's nah, not so much motivation to generate your own uh, leads. But once that is, uh, that is settled, so, so I believe that it's good to have a combined role, especially in a small company. 
Of course, uh, as always, it's good to have uh, not just one guy or girl doing that, uh, that job, but two to have uh, the possibility to compare performance and see what works and, uh, and what, uh, what, what doesn't work. Um, what else? Uh, I think uh, if you want to do uh, email outbound, uh, especially in the United States, I think it's very, very, very hard to make that work if you are not really, really doing personalized outreach. Uh, um, I, I see so in um, our company, but also in other companies I'm involved with, uh, uh, like these dumb, dumb uh, uh, email outbound campaigns that have absolutely no uh, customization, uh, personalization, except the name and the company name. And really, sorry, that doesn't count uh, as, as personalization for me. Yeah. Uh, it gets like zero reply rates, uh, or at least no positive reply rates. So if you want to do outreach through email in the States, uh, I think you really have to drastically reduce uh, the size of your list and then, uh, do research and, and then do like proper customization personalization. Seems to work better in European markets, uh, still the, the dumb email campaigns, uh, at least to, to, to my experience. The, Interesting. Yeah. The, I thought so too. I mean, uh, uh yeah. Uh, fourth, uh, if you, you, it's, it's okay. It's interesting, uh, to start, uh, doing, uh, these outbound campaigns with, uh, an out, uh, uh, uh with, uh, with an agency or an, an outside service. Uh, there's a lot of outbound agencies also in, in, in Germany. Some are good. To my experience, it's not always easy, but it's definitely a viable approach to get started with outbound using these resources before. You invest in your own team, especially if, like me, you're a founder with no sales background and no experience in outbound. It might be a good idea to work with a good agency for 12 months or so, learn the tricks, uh, see what tools they're using, and then try to replicate it with your, with your own team. Maybe that's a, that, so I, I would definitely recommend to make And then do, do those agencies take like a flat fee or flat plus commission? How, how does that collaboration usually work from your experience? I've seen different, I've, I've seen different models, uh, to be honest. Uh, but in the end, I think, I think it works best if there's a, a, a flat, a flat fee, because otherwise, uh, and that's how we, so, so uh, that's how we usually, uh, work. We had, we had also other experiences where we had like per leads example. Uh, but, but of course, if, if it's more like on, on a lead basis, you will always have discussions. What counts as a lead? Is it a qualified lead? And, uh, whose report? Everybody's reporting different numbers. Uh, it's, I don't know. It, it's not worth the hassle. I would, I would probably aim for a, for a, for a flat fee. For example, if you are working with email, uh, uh, guys or agencies, usually they have a flat fee based on the number of, uh, email accounts you're connecting. And of course, the number of email accounts also means how many emails can you send without being uh, spammy, et cetera. So, so there's usually like this uh, step function of uh, how, how, how expensive it is, depending on how, or depending on the volume that you're sending. Yeah. Got it. And then as the final question, because you mentioned Waltz is roughly half the size of, of uh, the other product. How, what's your plan to chase that down, basically to, to get the, uh, on par with that? What's your rough game plan? Just like, very high level strategically. Yeah. So uh, I see, and, and to be honest, I think that's true for both of my companies. And, uh, and I think, I think uh, for so many people uh, being bootstrapped in, 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 our, in our space and, and, and how, how big they are, I think we, we 
are on a clear trajectory to make these uh, 10 million ARR businesses. Um, that that must be the, the must be the next goal. This must be the next step. Uh, we we must grow to stay uh, relevant. In, like in all categories, we have really tough comp competition. So uh, not keeping growing and not growing fast enough is usually a step backwards. Uh, there will, if you are not growing, someone else will uh, will take them uh, take the market share. So it it is definitely important to 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 stay focused on the growth doesn't really matter if we reach 10 million ARR in two years, three years, or five years. But having that, that, uh, that, that pathway, also, of course, understanding what reaching that revenue will mean in terms of how, how will your team look like? Uh, 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 will my team be uh, four times as big? Will I have suddenly 20 salespeople? Will I need uh, a real head of sales uh, or, and stuff like that? So, so mapping out that, uh, that, that revenue path and thinking about how does the company look like at various uh, stages? So that's uh, that's where that's where we are. That's what I, that's how I uh, try to look into the future of Fossil. Awesome, Michel. Thanks for time for coming on today. Was was a fun chat. Yes. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it was good to be here. Uh, may I may I may I add a one thing, little plug at the end? Go on, go on. Happy to and, hear it. And uh, it, it just came to my mind because uh, because uh, I said like, hey, we, so many of us are on the way to from one to ten, from five to ten. Sorry, a million. Uh, uh, it just came to my mind, and I not I don't get any money for this, and I'm not plugging myself. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to let everyone hear it because it's a perfect audience uh, invite or no. Uh, that uh, the European SaaS community is meeting in Dublin in October for the SaaS Talk conference. I'm not sure if you have heard about uh, that yeah. one. S a a s t o c k SaaS Talk. It's in Dublin, as I said. It's really uh, I've been there four or five times. I'm a huge fan of the conference. Love the people doing it, and I I I, I promote the event anytime I, I talk about SaaS because uh, it's really a great experience to be there. So if anyone uh, is considering this or, or thinking about it, uh, take my word, it uh, will be a good decision. You will not regret going there. So for the guys and girls who want to grab a Guinness with Michael, you can do it in Dublin. <laughs> exactly, not just one Guinness. And uh, now that I'm speaking of, uh, I guess if you are really interested, uh, hit me up at michael at walls.io. I'm pretty sure I can get uh, a discount code for the listeners of this podcast because uh, after four or five years I have a good connection to the people at Sastor. That's amazing and we will make sure to link that up and that's a wrap. Thanks a ton. Cool. Thanks a lot Nikos. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like this episode then you'll love the SaaS Operator a weekly newsletter brought to you by Early Node with actionable insights from SaaS experts in the industry delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday for free. Visit earlynode.com to subscribe.